Welcome to Rewrite the Mother Code, the show where we can explore our inner mothers to actualize our greatest selves. Through interviews with incredible guests, live coaching sessions, and my own experiences, we're going to dive deep into embracing feminine values and reparenting ourselves. So be prepared to show up, hold space, and be mothered in a way that you never have before, but have always needed. It's time to rewrite the mother code. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Rewrite the Mother Code with me, Dr. Gertrude Lyons. Well, there's so much I would love to share and talk about, but let me just give you a little bit of an idea of where I am at this moment and place and time, and that'll lead us into what I want to talk about for our time together today. So right now, I'm recording on July 28th. I am looking out at the Pacific Ocean in Mexico, and it's so, so beautiful Every time I'm here, I just, there's a way I feel so at home and it just pulls me in. It did take a bit of time to get settled because it's summer and summer means it's quite humid and hot here. So I felt like I was acclimating to a whole different atmosphere, which I think we can take note of. I think this episode's going to be, it's going to, I don't know, my mind, it feels like it might be a little all over the place, but couple central themes are looking at the wisdom in meaning, possibilities in everything that we, anything we choose to in our day, in our life, in our happenings that can provide us learning, provide us an expanded way of thinking or being. And just saying that about acclimating to this atmosphere, transitions are real, right? And I think the weather really highlighted the transition for me for this time coming in. I've been in Chicago the last couple months. And so to come here in the middle of the summer, it was disorienting. I, I felt like I, in some, this is dramatic. I will be the first to admit, but almost like I couldn't breathe and I was sweating like crazy just at the, with the littlest effort, but I knew that. And so I let myself ease into it. I'm also here have been here this past week, a little over like 10 days with the focus of having time for myself. Our little neighbor girl who's six is like, why are you here by yourself? Like she just couldn't quite wrap her mind around why that would be a good thing. So it was really lovely to have to kind of put that in a six-year-old language that sometimes it's fun to come and just do everything all by yourself because you don't have to listen to anybody else. I can eat when I want. I can go do whatever I want to do whenever I want. And it's just me. And that is sometimes a really lovely thing to do, even though I love being with my husband. I love being with my family, with friends. There's something very freeing about, and she's like, so you eat dinner by yourself? <laughs> and I said, yes, I do. I do. I enjoy my meals by myself. So it was just, really lovely to be with her. So this transition, and then there was transitioning into this book writing process and how did I want that to be? And I set up a space for myself for it here that, and that for me can include 
clearing the space with incense or, you know, other means, Palo Santo or, you know, something to just clear out any energy and bring in, you know, really positive energy, you know, looking at Oracle or, or tarot cards and really creating a space that's beautiful and nourishing. And it's, that's not hard to do when I'm looking out at the ocean. So that being said, so there's that transition, you know, what are the rituals that we have and can put into place that get us into the spaces that we need and move us from one space to another? Because I think so often, and you know, I haven't been perfect this week. Like I feel like there's time I wasted doing, I don't know, like, you know, like just internet, like I'm going to call it internet, losing myself in the internet time. And I've really been working on not judging. It's like, okay, if some of my time is that, like, so be it. There's a big part of when I'm by myself is this sorting of what's of value, what's not, you know, it is what I just did good. Did I spend enough time doing this or that? And I'll get into that a little bit with, so I feel like what happens and especially if you set time aside to just be with yourself, the self-talk can be like extra loud. And, you know, I might run things by my husband or, you know, get myself clear easier with someone that's right there. But when I'm with myself, there's more of a temptation to like jump into the like, well, you're this or you're that and you're wasting time. And was this meaningful? And some of those negative voices. I've had those conversations with my voices and, you know, and said, yeah, me, I don't know. In some reality, that could be called a waste of time. An hour I just spent like looking around the internet. And in another, I can choose for that just to be a time where I zoned out and that's what I felt like doing. So I did it. And at the same time, noticing like my discomfort, like, oh, was I doing that right before I said I was going to start writing or, you know, right before I was going to sit and kind of be with something that was going to be a little more challenging, like getting ready to do this podcast. I had a million distractions and I'm getting ready to fly out today. And so the list was long of things that I should do before I sit down and do this. So just knowing and realizing that's discomfort of certain things where we're going to move into being more with ourselves and how the temptations and tendencies to distract are big and then not to beat ourselves up when we do them. So for this, luckily I had Ashley on the other side telling her, okay, I'm going to go to do it now. Okay. I'm sitting down. Okay. I'm doing it. And here we are. And now that I'm doing it, like I'm enjoying thinking about all of you and thinking about that, you know, even though I can't see you in this moment or relate to you personally, that I have this opportunity to share what's been going on with me and some things I've been learning and Hopefully those will have meaning for you as well. Yeah, so I mentioned the part about being down here for book writing. So this was my first of what will be, you know, monthly and who knows toward the end, it might be more than that. Each month taking a week where I really set aside a big chunk of that week to be able to focus on writing. And, you know, historically my writing has been more around, I haven't just written something that I want to write. Okay, let's let me put it that way. You know, I wrote a dissertation. I wrote a lot during graduate school. And even though I was putting myself into that writing and my experience, I was still following a structure. You know, I was answering questions. I was getting the assignment done. You know, this writing of this book is a self 
creation, you know, and I feel kind of moved like talking about it. Like there's some of what I focus on topic wise this week was around the analogy, the metaphor of, of this process in with mothering, with conceiving, creating, giving birth to this book. And I think I've mentioned this before, but I have a due date and that due date is April 1st. So, you know, but at the same time, I want this to, and I'm intending, and I really kind of got clear this week for this to be a very feminine process, a very yin process as far as like, yes, there'll be certain times. Yes, I'm working on an outline and a structure that things are going to fit into and I can use that as a guide. But I really wanted to this time just let things flow and allow, pick up a book that I brought and and have something move me in that and then write from that space. And it was really fascinating to watch what emerged over the week. And I would say, you know, because people ask, how's the writing going? And how often I want to put that into a quantum, like, well, I have this many pages, like somehow that is the value, right? But that would be the more masculine value. And there'll be times, yeah, I'm having a page count or saying I'm going to write five pages, you know, this week or something like that is valuable because it's a game to play, right? But it's not where the value is. Everything I wrote this week may or may not earn its way into the book, but it took me on an important journey and process, you know, looking at how, what the process I'm in and relating it to birth and getting really clear. I think the thing I got super clear on was I want this book to serve mothers, mothers. Okay. I want this book to serve mothers. I think we know that, but for a period of time, I was going to narrow the focus to women who are mothers in motherhood you know, women who are mothering, going to mother, are currently mothering or about to mother children because I just got support and, you know, kind of thought, okay, and then maybe others will get the point that it's beyond that. But I got really clear that that would be narrowing my focus way more than like what my heart wanted to do. And it also, the big epiphany for me this week, and I'll see if I can put it into words here because it was an experience and an experience that I do want to come through in the book where I felt like if I just talk about how the rewrite the mother code framework supports women with children, I'm perpetuating the myth, the model that like, that's what's the most important that, you know, our purpose, this myth or belief that's been wired in us for so many years that our purpose is really all about our procreation and our ability to birth a child. And that's what we're here to do. And I so want to, and I'm very clear that that's a big part of my mission is to bust that myth and really be able to harness and claim that mother energy and claim that space and claim this analogy, this metaphor, so to speak, that that is a reality. You know, as women, we have wombs we create within that. And that creation happens only with the union of masculine and feminine. And so we're not spontaneously creating this. There's no immaculate conceptions going on that I'm aware of. So it is a symbol of of the masculine and feminine coming together. And it has, I think, a purpose to show what's possible, right? And to not be the end all like, whoa, that's like, 
the epitome of an experience a woman can have. No, it goes way beyond that. But it does show us, I don't know, for some reason, the Jesus saying like, I'm here to show you heaven on earth. I'm here to everything I can do, you can do. But we tend to glorify him and, and put him on a pedestal and the savior, the person that came in this form that is untouchable and godlike. And that removes our responsibility to look at this vision he had for us or what his bigger purpose was to show us our capacity and what's possible in our union with the divine, should we choose it. And I think for reasons in our culture, an imbalance of masculine energy and patriarchal dictates that have dampened the, uh, you know, and put a wet blanket on this happening, you know, this possibility, this, this power that we have in the mother space. So you'll have to send word to me if that like, you know, was clear and made sense because I'm super excited about it. Very excited to be clear because then, you know, we can start busting that myth. We can start living into that and everything that we're doing. I have so many ways, you know, and I won't take the time here to go into detail, but much of, I will have much more detail in it in my book around all the ways the metaphor works and the analogy works. And it's infusing me with so much more like an expanded meaning of, of what I'm doing and kind of the responsibility and importance of it. It takes it out of this tactical putting words on a page and my ego, it comes out of it so much more so because I feel like I'm the conduit for this, just like, you know, with a child, we are conduits to bring this being into the world, but I don't own that child. That child isn't mine, so to speak, but I have agreed to do a job and I have agreed and I'm in partnership with that being to bring it into the world so that it can do its job and be its own being. But for a period of time, it's mine to take the responsibility and and birth it and raise it until it has a life of its own. So that's very much the space that I've been in and it has emerged and flowed and there's other aspects of it. I'd love to share all of it, but but I won't. Gotta wait for the book, but I'll be speaking into it more and more for sure. But that leads to, and this may seem like a big leap, but Honestly, like one of the intentions I wanted to talk about in this podcast is a Celtic holiday that's coming up a week in less than a week on August 1st. And it's called Lunase, Lunasa. I am afraid I'm butchering that now. I, lo- I looked up how to pronounce it, but I, I think I'm pretty close with Lunasa. It is a festival marking the beginning of the harvest season. So let's tie that. Okay. Well, that sounds like a big leap. Gertrude, what the heck are you talking about? Like we just went from analogy of your book and birth and, but it does tie to transitions, right? And so, you know, I just spoke about the transition of being here and into my writing and having a lot of compassion for myself, but setting up space for those transitions. And I think I want to name this holiday for two reasons. It's coming up. It's in August and this, this, will be released in August, but unfortunately after the holiday, but it's a season, right? Just like Christmas is a day, but Christmas is a season. So Lunasa is a season and this marking the beginning of harvest season 
and our transition just, you know, we're at the beginning of it. And this is us starting to look towards, but not lose ourselves in the future, but still be here now because it's also, you know, dedicated to the sun God. Hi, I'm so excited to share with you my 2024 Spring Equinox Self-Mothering Retreat that's happening this March, 2024. And I would love for you not only to consider it, but to attend. But in considering it, hey, just knowing that you would be leaving cold weather if that's the space that you're in and coming down to just magnificently beautiful, warm, nourishing place of Zihuatanejo, Mexico. Zihuatanejo, meaning land of the goddess women, and coming to really take time for yourself, okay? And that I am learning more and more isn't just a nice thing to do or something extravagant or something selfish. It's essential. And I really want you to take it seriously to consider, you know, just think about what would it take for me to go? It's a five and a half day retreat, getting from where you are, getting there, landing there, and then being in a space that is all about you. It's all about nourishing you. It's all about tuning into you, using everything around us, the nature, the food, the beautiful people, the rituals, ceremonies. I bring it, you know, we really bring it. And we go deeper and deeper as the days go on and we release, we let go, we bring in what is nourishing, what is empowering, what is that space of just really divine feminine energy. And we do it in the community of women. It's not for everyone, I will be honest. You know, if the idea of leaving and not making it work or it's just too hard, not for you. If the idea of, you know, spending that amount of time inwardly focused and going to that level of self-awareness doesn't sound like something you're willing to do or put the time and energy into, then it's not for you. And it's good to know that, right? So this is for people who are serious about what it means to mother themselves, what it means to take time for ourselves and that gift and what that gift can bring to us. It was originally right after my fall retreat, it filled right up. But now some people, it turns out, are not able to come. So I do have a handful of openings and If you're listening to this and you're willing to take that step, please reach out to me. We can do a discovery call or you can put a deposit down. I would love that. And you can do that by going to my website, www.drgertrudelyons.com. Go to events and there you go. It'll all be there. There's a beautiful page there for you to explore. I look forward to hearing from you and then seeing you on my spring retreat. Okay. So that being said, I am transitioning. So this is all layers, right? I am leaving Mexico today. I fly back to Chicago and then tomorrow, Saturday evening, I fly to Ireland. So I will be in Ireland for this holiday, for this festival. There are certain places in Ireland where they specifically honor. I won't be going there, but I will be at a sacred site, a stone circle called Grange on our way from Dublin to Kerry. So I'm going to be in the energy and space of it. So I've been preparing you know, for that transition and assuming that my just wanting to be there and be in it and talk about it 
is valuable. Yes, I knew I wanted to like share and, and be with it with you all. But what else about it? What about it for me do I want to look at? I've, I've been aware of other Celtic holidays, but these kind of in-between ones like Beltane and Sam Hain. Oh my gosh, I so apologize that I don't have these pronunciations down. But what would be our typical Halloween time? And winter and summer solstices, the equinoxes, you know, those I'm pretty clear about, but these midpoints, right? So midpoints are kind of like check-in points if we want to look at them that way. You know, we're still in summer for sure. And we want to enjoy and be with the summer energy. And at the same time, mark the beginning as we enter now toward the fall equinox and then the the fall celebration, the full-on fall celebrations. So I want to say a couple things you know, about this holiday, just to have it percolating you and just be in this, you know, for our transitions, because while on the one hand, I definitely don't want to, oh, I don't know, degrade or minimize or simplify, you know, the, the depth and meaning that these holidays have had for different cultures and kind of steal it, so to speak. But I think we can, I hope that, and I do in good faith, love to explore it and explore the wisdom in them because I think those are that wisdom of of these things are inclusive and they are universal and so many cultures will celebrate at the same times just maybe a little bit differently so I I want to preface and say that I I really honor the depth of the knowledge and the the depth of and how we can so easily start making light of I mean take I've celebrated Christmas my whole life and a holiday that has obviously become hugely commercial and fun for sure, but the depth and level of, of, of those meanings, how easily they get lost. Okay. So a little bit that, and granted this is an internet search, so take that with a grain of salt also, but this holiday is, it's the word itself comes from the combination of lug. L-U-G, the god Lu, and Nasad, an assembly. So this Lu got an assembly in honor of this god in the month of August. And there are a number of layers and levels of possible meaning and where this came from. I want to honor that naming and the language is really important in Celtic cultures, Irish Scottish, you know, English in, in those. So there are a lot of customs, right? It says it's there's some that say it started with this the god Lug, like I said, Lu, as a funeral feast and an athletic competition in commemoration of his mother or foster mother, who is said to have died of exhaustion after clearing the plains of Ireland for agriculture. So this goddess. Taltu, and I might be saying that wrong, may have been an earth goddess who represented the dying vegetation that fed mankind. The funeral games in her honor were called or had a onak, I'm not going to try, and were held, you know, each year. And I think in some form are still continuing in, in County Meath. So these would be attended similar to ancient Greek Olympic games you know, including all sorts of ritual athletic and sporting contests, right? But there was one aspect that I want to name about this, and then I want to personalize this for us. 
another ritual that would happen here was something called trial marriages. Okay. So trial marriages were conducted whereby young couples joined hands through a hole in a wooden door or fence. They couldn't see each other. All they saw were hands. So they would grab a hand and the trial marriage lasted a year, a year and a day, at which time the marriage could be made either permanent or broken without consequences. What a cool, interesting, wild concept, right? So I also have read that when Christianity came along, that was going to be a big no-no. So I don't believe it It continues to this day and it's in its main form, but I think there are some ways it's you know still honored or played with. But I just love thinking about how something like that could actually work instead of, oh my God, like that's terrible. How could they do that? And how did they work that? But a trial marriage, not based on, you know, looks or aesthetics or anything, just the sight of a hand, I think is pretty remarkable. So there's other things like the cutting of the first corn, which would be offerings. Of course, there were bonfires and so many beautiful ways this was celebrated. But something else I want to share about this, and I've been exploring, you know, Irish mythology and history at, at some levels. And I, I'm partaking in a course through the Irish pagan school, Laura O'Brien, who leads this intensive on the goddess Morrigan. And there was something that came about and it relates to us and, and how we think we know things or, you know, in the rewrite the mother code, when I ask you all to explore and consider that how you've looked at something, how you've looked at birth, how you've looked at mothering, how you've looked at, you know, all the decisions that go into that, that seem like, well, that's what everyone does, or that's just what you do, that you are open and willing and curious to explore them. And sometimes, you know, you go about explicitly exploring them. Oh, I want to look into the different ways I could give birth and, you know, a myriad and number of ways there. Am I willing to explore like some of those options? So, you might set out to look at, you know, what some of those may be. And then some of them in that exploration or either a sharing or in your reading or exploring, some are just, oh my gosh, I didn't even think to think differently about that or that there was another way to think about that. And in this course with Laura O'Brien, she's been sharing a lot about the mythology and the naming and really getting as trying to get as accurate and dispel some of the the ways things as terminology she uses that neo-paganism or patriarchal ways that have dampened. So as you know, this through line through this podcast of that, when she was talking about the Morgan and there's like, she can be talked about as having sisters, like that there's, it's a, triple goddess in one, either that Morgan had sisters or she is. But I think, you know, where we got to with that is no, there are distinct goddesses. It isn't like a aspects of Morgan is her own unique entity, so to speak. And then she just kind of made, it wasn't the point of the conversation, but she did. She's like, and you know, that is some of where we, we now hear it's like, maybe more ubiquitous in our language of the triple goddess, right? And 
that is something that I have felt very connected to in many ways. And, you know, as it's often spoken of, maiden mother crone. And, you know, where we look at these different time frames of a woman's life, you know, through that lens. And I've that's always had meaning for me. You know, the okay, when a woman starts her menses, you know, she's in the maiden phase when, you know, she gives birth to a child or or is in those fruitful years, that's her mother phase. And then, you know, when menses ends, that is the crone phase. So, you know, that's always made perfect sense to me, like these physical phases representing, you know, a woman's life. And she just came right out and said it. She's like, I hate that designation of, I don't know if she used the word hate, but she's like, I'm very against um, and have a problem with the representation of the triple goddess or of, you know, these aspects of a woman's life brought down to her reproductive capacities that it's distilled down. And now we just see a woman again, here we go, right? Through the lens of her ability, like, oh, she becomes this when she can have a child. And then it changes when she does have a child. And then she's something else when she can't have a child. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have a hundred percent bought in to that thinking in a much less expansive way than is possible. It certainly isn't like a sin to still think of it in using that as one way to designate phases of a woman's life. But just because a woman starts and and a young woman starts her menses, what does that actually mean? Is she not something before and then she is something? And it just gave me so much to think about. And I'm still in it and thinking about it like, whoa, that was a sacred cow of mine that I did not expect to be poked at in that way. And it's been a, a little uncomfortable and a little upsetting to start exploring it in a new and different way. At the same time, I think it's awesome. I love that she said it. I love that she brought that awareness and knowledge. And I'm like, if I signed up for this course just to hear that, it will have been worth it. And I'm grateful because I think us in our lives to always be busting myths, exploring, taking responsibility to look at some of the things we take for granted in our culture and our day-to-day life that we don't even know where they came from. You know, we don't know how did that ritual ever even start. So Wow. Okay. This has been a journey. And so often I, I kind of have an idea of what I want to talk about. I'm like, Oh my God, this is probably going to be like a 10 minute recording. And then there I go. And here now we've, we've been traveling together for 30 minutes, but I love it. I love being with you. I love including you in my exploration. And I'm really hoping it serves you to consider a number of the things that have emerged in this time, you know, one being, around transitions and creating space for ourselves in transitions and on an allowance in that. I don't know if I said this explicitly, but, you know, allowing the creative process and always kind of weighing out, like, where am I kind of valuing my process in a more masculine way? And, but also where can that masculine serve me? And, you know, for me currently, like some discomfort in allowing myself to be you know, fully in a feminine space and 
just allowing flow and trusting and being in my experience fully. And these pieces are kind of coming together to form this being of a book in the way that it is. (laughs) That's all I can say there, you know, and then bringing in the Celtic holiday that's coming up and us starting to transition, you know, marking points to mark transitions into the cycles of the year and how we can use those for our benefit and thinking about how we wrap up, you know, the summer season and how we want to celebrate and still be in this sun energy and the power of it as we move into fall. And then, you know, being willing to break sacred cows and being willing to poke at and be curious about the origins of some of our ways of being and our ways that we think and how we think. And that's it. So as always, I love to hear from you. I love to hear when something strikes you and you can do that by either sharing with me on social media at Dr. Gertrude Lyons on Instagram, Dr. Gertrude Lyons on LinkedIn. You can message me both of those places through my website, drgertrudelyons.com. And that's always D-R, Gertrude, G-E-R-T-R-U-D-E, Lyons, L-Y-O-N-S.com. Sign up for my newsletter. It'll be almost mid-August when this episode comes out. And being down here in Mexico has gotten me so like even that much more excited to be in this space and even just the difference in the weather and how we're going to be in the weather down here for the fall equinox Um, and my self-mothering fall equinox retreat, September 21st to the 25th. And I'm super excited because the equinox itself falls on that Saturday. And I've, you know, been in contact and and planning the beautiful things that we're going to do to celebrate, prepare, plan, you know, for this last quarter of the year, look at, you know, our year so far and take stock and harvest and really bring ourselves to that space so we can dive into this last quarter of the year, just fully alive and ready and you know, with focus and intention, but also an allowance for what's going to emerge and be open to creating in that space that we've, we're going to clear for ourselves. So please join me. I do have a few more spaces. I'm super excited about the women who are coming and I can take a few more women and we'd be happy to have you. It's always the perfect group. Whoever ends up coming is perfect. So blessings on your day, blessings on your August and talk to you soon. Thank you so much for choosing yourself and taking the time to listen to this podcast. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe to Rewrite the Mother Code. It helps other people who need this message, aka all women, well, actually everybody, men included, to find it. I'm honored to have you on this journey in mothering yourself. Remember, change is uncomfortable, but it's beautiful and it starts with us. And if you can't wait until next week's episode, follow me on Instagram and LinkedIn at Dr. Gertrude Lyons or at my website, drgertrudelyons.com and sign up for my newsletter. I'll see you next time. 